Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today, I'm telling you the creepy story of a convicted serial killer who murdered 14 women in the city of Los Angeles between 1987 and 1998. Chester Turner has been labeled by some as one of the most prolific serial killers in Los Angeles. His victims were primarily black women, his killing method was strangulation, and he always left these women partially nude in the place he killed them. This story is so twisted and so frightening, and it reveals a truth within our black community that some would prefer to leave hidden. I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library. This is the disturbing history of serial killer Chester Turner. Chester Turner was born on November 5, 1966. He was born in Warren, Arkansas, and he moved with his mother to Los Angeles when he was just five years old, after his parents separated. And honestly, that's pretty much all I can give you about his past. I couldn't find a lot out there about his childhood in my research. And this is incredibly annoying and frustrating as a storyteller who wants to provide you with as much information as possible so you feel informed. The media's pastime is making white killers seem like they were pushed to the point of no return, while black killers are innately born to kill. When it comes to killers like Ted Bundy, there are serial killer documentaries to last you a lifetime, and they go extensively into the background and childhood of these monsters, trying to decode what made them into monsters in the first place. Although I believe that no serial killer should be glorified, I do think it's strange, and that's putting it lightly, the society is willing to glorify and humanize white male serial killers. So Chester Turner attended public schools in Los Angeles until he dropped out of high school in the 1980s. After dropping out, Turner began working at a local Domino's Pizza as a cook and a delivery man. During this time as an employee at Domino's Pizza, Turner lived at home with his mother until she eventually moved to Utah. His mother's move to Utah seems to be where everything went downhill for Turner because after she left, he was left to wander from homeless shelter to homeless shelter. During this time, in the city of Los Angeles, the crack epidemic was particularly damaging to South Los Angeles. 
Many women were killed during this time because of the large-scale violence that came out of the crack epidemic. According to an article in the Huffington Post, Turner is one of at least three men blamed for a series of killings once thought to be the work of a solo killer, dubbed the Southside Slayer. More than 100 women in South LA were killed during the violent era when highly addictive crack made people desperate enough to turn to prostitution to support their habit or led to other crimes. And we know that sex workers and homeless people are too often the victims of violent crimes and murders for many reasons, one of them being the nature of their lifestyles. Killers think they can get away with violence against these individuals because they either consider them less than or morally bankrupt. They believe that no one cares if they come home or not, and they are under the impression that police will not investigate it seriously. And unfortunately, this is often the case. So this should give you the backdrop for the devious crimes he was responsible for committing. With the crack epidemic at its worst in South LA, with the general disregard for the transient population and black women during this time period, it's no wonder how Chester Turner got away with his horrendous crimes. The first nine murders that Chester committed were between 1987 and 1996. His first victim, he was convicted of killing, was Diane Johnson. There isn't much out there about who she was or what she was doing before she was murdered. This may be because she was either a sex worker or suffering from addiction. Two circumstances that don't necessarily lend to concrete identification, especially if one is estranged from their family. Unfortunately, it may be possible that her family or friends didn't even know that she was dead for years. Diane Johnson, who was just 21 years old, was found partially nude and strangled in March 1987. Her body was found in a roadway construction area west of the Harbor Freeway. Given that her body was found partially nude, I think it's a strong possibility that Chester sexually assaulted her. And this method of torture becomes frequent for Turner. There's no information out there that I could find that said how these two met. Did Chester just attack her randomly? Was she a sex worker who was solicited by Turner and then attacked? I don't know. But according to that Huffington Post article, most of his victims were, quote, suspected prostitutes, some were crack users, and some were just snatched off the streets, end quote. I think it's pretty clear that he has a disdain and hate toward women, specifically black women. His second victim was named Annette Ernest. She was actually connected to another one of his victims that he murdered later in 1993 which is so twisted and strange. Annette was 26 when Chester strangled her and left her partially nude on the shoulder of a road in October 1987. Anita Fishman Breyer, who was 31, was Turner's next target. She had been described by her nephew as upbeat and happy. Before her murder in January 1989, she had a struggle with addiction, but her sister Suzanne was trying to help her recover and get started in a healthy direction before she died. What's interesting about these three murders so far is that all three bodies were abandoned in very different places, but I feel like these places reveal a lot about how Chester viewed these women. Diane was left in a construction area, Annette was left on the side of the road, and Anita was abandoned outside of a garage in an alley off Figueroa Street. From the placements of their bodies, I think it's safe to say that Chester was not ashamed of his crimes because he didn't even bother to cover them up or bury the bodies. He also clearly wanted the bodies to be found, and he may have left them nude to embarrass them or because he sexually assaulted them. Not to mention, by placing them in locations that are considered abandoned or dirty says something too. 
the next murder that Turner would commit would later be considered by a court ruling to be a double homicide, because in September 1989, Chester Turner returned to Figueroa Street to target another woman. Regina Nadine Washington was 27 years old and pregnant when she was brutally murdered by Turner. Her body was found incredibly close to where Anita Breyer's body was found. Just like Breyer, she was found off Figueroa Street, so was Washington. Except Nadine Washington's body was found inside a garage off Figueroa Street. And like every other victim, her body was left partially nude and she was killed by strangulation. The death of her unborn child, who has been referred to as Baby Washington, was attributed to the strangulation of Regina. Unfortunately, Regina was not the last woman Chester Turner murdered near Figueroa Street. There was a third woman's body found near Figueroa in 1993, four years after Regina Washington. The next victim that was found near Figueroa Street was a woman named Andrea Triplett, and she was the person that I said the second victim, Annette Ernest, knew. Her partially nude body was found behind a vacant building on Figueroa Street in April 1993. She was also pregnant at the time of her murder. In fact, she was five and a half months pregnant. Turner's seventh victim was found in a location that is very different from the other locations where his victims were previously found. Desiree L. May Jones was murdered like every other victim of Turner's, and her body was found in a backyard in May 1993. Before her tragic death, Desiree was working at a rest home for the elderly before her battle with addiction. Her family described her as smart, outgoing, and funny. The last two murders to take place in the four-block-wide corridor on either side of Figueroa Street between Gage Avenue and 108th Street were the murders of 31-year-old Natalie Price and 45-year-old Mildred Williams Beasley. Both murders occurred between 1995 and 1996. Natalie's strangled body was found next to a vacant residence, while Mildred's body was found alongside the 110 freeway. Mildred was married and had a teenage son who had to live the rest of his life without his mother. I want to talk about how terrifying it is to realize that Chester Turner didn't really discriminate. He killed black women of nearly all age ranges. His youngest victim was 21 and his oldest victim was 45. And this fact is horrifying. The thing is, though, he also went unnoticed for so long because he did target black women, and he targeted a population who have been historically labeled as quote-unquote unimportant. Before Chester Turner was finally caught for his crimes, he managed to kill two more helpless and innocent black women. The last two murders took place outside of the original stretch where he murdered the first nine victims. Paula Vance, who was 24, was found in a business office called Olympia Tool in Azusa in February 1998. Paula was what some would have categorized as hopeless because she suffered mental illness and she was transient before her death. And the final victim, Brenda Breeze, who was 39 years old, was found in a portable toilet near Little Tokyo in April 1998. What's creepy is that her body was found just 50 miles away from a hotel where Turner was staying. I'm going to share a theory that is based purely on my obsession with criminal minds, but there are things about these last two murders that makes me think that Turner may have been in the midst of spiraling psychologically. Events occur that show he may have been getting sloppy. For one, 
Paula Vance's murder was witnessed by a bystander. There was a trailer park adjacent to the business office where Paula's body was found. And that witness was in a position where they could see inside of the office and caught Turner in the act. Another reason why I think he may have been spiraling psychologically is because Turner was jailed seven times from 1995 to 2002, six times for nonviolent offenses, and one time for an assault charge on an officer and cruelty to an animal on April 9, 1997. And another reason why I think Turner was spiraling psychologically is a sexual assault committed by him in March 2002. Turner sexually assaulted a 47-year-old woman for approximately two hours and threatened to kill her if she told the police. Unlike any of his other victims, he allowed her to live. My question is why? Did he somewhere deep down want to get caught for his crimes or was he experiencing some psychological turmoil that caused him to deviate from his typical behavior? You may be wondering how Chester Turner eventually got caught for his crimes. Well, he didn't actually get convicted of his crimes until 2014. And before he would be convicted, a man by the name of David Allen Jones would be charged, convicted, and sentenced in 1995 for the crimes that Chester Turner committed. It would eventually turn out that David Allen Jones was wrongfully convicted. During the investigation of these unsolved cases, detectives also reviewed similar solved cases. During this process, the detectives discovered that David Allen Jones, who was 28, had been convicted of three murders that occurred in the same area, where Turner was known to be operating. Jones, a person with a mental disability and who was at the time a part-time janitor who did not have adequate literacy skills like most adults, was questioned by authorities without an attorney. During the questioning, Jones admitted to using drugs with the victims in the areas where the bodies were found. Rather than using these convictions as a basis for excluding Turner, the detectives revisited these solved murders and reevaluated the physical evidence. The detectives found that Jones' 1995 trial had relied upon other evidence, including Jones' core statements to police instead of DNA technology. The other evidence that was relied upon in 1995 is unclear. At the detective's request, the LAPD Crime Laboratory processed the available evidence using the latest DNA applications. During his trial, Jones had also been convicted of a rape unrelated to the murders. The new investigation revealed that the blood typing evidence did not match the blood types found at the crimes for which he spent 11 years in prison, and he was exonerated as a murderer. But around 2003, Chester Turner was required to hand over his own DNA so that it could be put into California's CODIS, which stands for Combined DNA Index System. In September 2003, based on that sample, Turner was identified as a match for DNA recovered from the murders of Paula Vance and Mildred Beasley. Detectives then began a careful examination of Turner's background. It turned out that nine of the 11 unsolved murders were matched to Turner using DNA evidence. Jones was released from prison in March 2004 and has filed a lawsuit against the city of Los Angeles. Jones was awarded $720,000 in compensation. Thankfully, Chester was convicted of those crimes where his DNA was connected, but he also was convicted of four additional murders on June 19, 2014. The four victims were identified as Cynthia Annette Johnson, who was 30, Alondra Joyce Bunn, who was 33, Mary Edwards, who was 42, and Deborah Williams, who was 28. 
There isn't a lot of information out there about who these women were. Authorities said that DNA again linked Turner to the slayings, and he received another death sentence for those murders on June 26, 2014. As Turner was led from court, he cursed at the prosecution and said, quote, I'll be back, end quote. There was an automatic appeal set on September 2, 2020. And on November 30, 2020, the California Supreme Court reversed Turner's murder conviction for the unborn baby. However, the death sentence for the other 14 victims was upheld. Chester Turner committed egregious and twisted crimes to innocent black women. He is a dangerous man that has yet to show any remorse for his crimes. He upended so many lives, not just the victims, but the family of the victims. Gwendolyn Cameron, the sister of Cynthia Johnson, who was a victim of Turner's, said after the ruling, quote, it's judgment day. He got what he had coming. The sooner they execute him, the better we'll all be. He's a menace to society, end quote. If you want to interact with the podcast on social media or share with me some of your own theories about the cases, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at the LCL pod. Don't forget to share the podcast so we can get more attention for these very important cases. And don't forget to follow the Lost Crimes Library so you won't miss any new episodes. Thank you for supporting the show. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.